This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Life is hard sometimes, and there are many pathways in navigating the inevitable ups and downs of life. In riding these waves, I look to my yoga practice and also therapy. We all go through tough times like big life changes, periods of instability, conflict, or loss. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist entirely online, which is very convenient, flexible, and suited to fit your schedule. Take the questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist. And if it's not the right match for you, no worries. You can change your therapist for no additional charge. Sometimes getting started in therapy is the hardest part. To make it a little bit easier, go to the link provided in the show notes or go to visit betterhelp.com slash yoga and podcast today to get 10% off your first month. Hey friends, I'm curious what you would do with more energy throughout your day. And I am so happy to say that as of late, I have had more energy and I have been doing more things that I love, like baking vegan scones, going out in the woods and listening to all my favorite yoga podcasts, trying out new and different yoga I normally wouldn't try. It also seems like I've gotten more checked off my to-do list without even trying And let me tell you my secret. I've been taking Magic Mind every day. Magic Mind contains all this good stuff like matcha, mushrooms, honey, and more. You get these really amazing benefits as a result. Increased focus, attention, better sleep, decreased stress. The benefits build over time as well. I've been taking Magic Mind for 12 days now and I can really tell a big difference. I drink less coffee, my digestion has improved. I'm in a better mood, I'm calmer, but most importantly, I have more energy to do the stuff that I love. I think of Magic Mind as an easy entry point in finding your creative flow state. If you would like to check out Magic Mind for yourself, use the promo code YOGA14 for 20% off your first time purchase, and it stacks up with the built-in 20% discount for subscriptions for a total of 40% off your first subscription to Magic Mind. It is a deal. The link is provided in the show notes. Remember to use yoga14 at checkout. I look forward to hearing how you will use that extra energy. Welcome friends to Yoga and Podcast. This show highlights the science and brings the magic of yoga and mind-body practices down to earth for the everyday person to help you live your best life. I'm your host, Ashley Weber, a yoga and Pilates teacher and a forever student who is oh so curious about all things yoga and. On today's episode, we will explore yoga in midlife with Tori Hicks-Glokowski. She is a yoga teacher who specializes in yoga for women in their midlife. Her business is called Meet Me on Your Mat. Tori is all about empowering women in midlife to challenge them in finding a more advanced yoga practice. I found this conversation truly inspiring. Tori sheds light on why we might create self-limiting beliefs about ourselves when we reach midlife and how we might be able to change that storyline. I am excited to share with you this conversation. So let's sit back, relax, and enjoy the episode, y'all. Yoga and 
Joining us on today's episode, she is a yoga teacher who specializes in yoga for women in their midlife. Her business is called Meet Me on Your Mat. Please welcome to the show, Tori Hicks-Glokowski. Hey, Tori, how are you today? Hi, good to see you, Ashley. So would you like to introduce yourself just a little bit more and share who you are in the world of yoga? Sure. Uh, so currently, I teach online uh, and I teach advanced asana to women in their late 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and beyond uh, to empower them in their life and to help them develop a lifelong yoga practice. Mm, nice. Yeah. So let's let's talk about midlife because you mentioned late 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and beyond. Is that is that what we're calling midlife? That's what I'm calling midlife. Yeah. I mean, I I'm 45. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, I started practicing when I was 28 years old consistently. And uh, there is a difference when you're in your midlife years. And what I see a lot of the time is that women tend to drift towards the beginner level classes or stay in beginner level or stay in their, you know, kind of in this safety because we're told that, you know, we're aging and, you know, osteoporosis and a lot, you know, we're going through menopause and things are supposed to fall away instead of gain. Mm -hmm. And in my program, we say, no, <laughs> really, that's kind of what I say is like, no. Uh, so we've seen, uh, I have students in my late, in their late sixties that have hit their first arm balance in my classes, mm. their first inversions. Uh, I've had women in their mid to late fifties, you know, all of a sudden they're like, I have ab muscles. You know, I never thought I would have ab muscles again, you know, stuff like that. So we kind of take this whole belief that and kind of reclaim advanced asana. Advanced asana has become kind of like nah, for a lot of people because they think it's just an Instagram post mm. for someone in their twenties, you know, it's had, it has to have those beautiful aesthetics around it. Um, and so instead I use advanced asana as a tool to to teach them that it's, it's for everybody. Like anybody can do this. I know 28 year old Tori could not do what I do now in my yoga practice mm -hmm. at all. Uh, I was a very flexible person, naturally flexible. And so I leaned towards those things. And it was when I finally decided to bust out of doing beginner yoga all the time. And I did it for years and I taught it for years that all of a sudden I realized that there was so much more potential within my practice. And so I spend my time teaching other women how to do that. Wow. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the culture, the attitude, you know, we're in the U S right. Um, you're in the U S yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought you were, I, 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 yeah, I just, I questioned myself there. Um, but <laughs> The culture's attitude about women specifically in the mid in their midlifes. Could you touch more on that? Kind of like this, you touched on it earlier, but um, want to speak more to that? Absolutely. I, I feel like um, there's, when it comes to women in midlife, it's like we have, I feel like culturally there's two choices, right? So we can do everything we can to look like our younger version of ourselves, mm. or we can just let ourselves fall apart. That's what I feel like I see in the mainstream, it's like either one or the other. And I'm saying 
do whatever makes you happy. You know, if you want, if feeling or looking like your younger self makes you feel happy and makes you feel empowered. Awesome. For me, I'm more like, I want to age gracefully. Uh, at the same time, I don't want to lose my personal power to that. You know, Mm -hmm. like I don't mind that I have a couple of more wrinkles, but I do think that the evolution of my practice is still going like, I, you Mm. know, uh, and I also, I've been in so many yoga circles where the thought is, well, you know, when you age, you just can't do what you could do when you were younger in your yoga practice. Like I've heard that so many times and I just don't like again and again, that gets proven wrong to me. So, Mm. you know, I, for me, I think it's something else. And so I do believe that the way I teach the yoga is we just kind of, and I even said to my husband the other day, I was like, I feel like everyone that's in my program is my age. And then they tell me their age and I go, what? (laughs) 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 I feel like we're all kind of the same age. Uh, But at the same time, I think it's really beautiful to share space with women, um, really from all ages, right? So it's like late thirties is really my youngest. And then, like I said, going up almost to 70 at this point. Uh, and we all have this commonality and uh, and this great work ethic towards our practice and knowing that our practice can evolve and do more. So mm. hopefully I answered that. Yeah, that you totally answered that. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, where does that thought come from? Like, oh, when you get older, you just can't. I mean, I get like, things come up as we age, but you're kind of proving that wrong. You're flipping that on its head and going, actually, no, like you can improve your practice as you age. You can do more things. Um, so then maybe, maybe, maybe there's some fear for people. Like what are some concerns and fears that stop women in midlife from taking the next step from beginner to a more advanced yoga practice? There, um, it is fear. It's a fear of injury, um, fear of being embarrassed, maybe that they, they wouldn't be able to keep up. Uh, I've heard that a lot from students that have been with me that when they first came, that was the main fear. I don't think I can keep up. And, um, what I always think is so interesting is it's not about that. You know, like, and I always say to my newer students, like, let it be a little bit of a train wreck for a little while, you know, Mm -hmm. be messy. Like maybe you can't do everything, but I always work one-on-one with my students to find what they can do first. Mm -hmm. So I always have a little one-on-one time with them so that we can connect in a way. And I understand what their goals are for their practice not what my goal should be for them. Right. So they want to strength or, you know, my shoulders have always been tight or my hips have always been tight. And then through the program, I, you know, if they can't do something that we're working on, we work on step one, like you work at ground zero. And if you work at ground zero for a little while, and then you're able to achieve that, then there's always a step two. Mm-hmm. So it's not about, you know, showing up to an and, and I put around quotes, advanced asana, because it is what it, you know, it is like, I'm going to teach you some fancy stuff, but at the same time, it's like, you, you are going to take it to where you need to take it to that day and be mm-hmm. proud of the fact that you showed up in a, in a space where you are going to be challenged in that way. Uh, 
But because you're in a room full of people who are just so supportive about where you are and where you're going to be, and they remember where they were at the beginning of this program, now what they're able to do, it really creates this feeling of, you know, camaraderie. Like, mm. oh, I remember when I couldn't, you know, I couldn't even get into yogi squat and now I can get into yogi squat. Man, now I can do 10 bazillion other things I never even dreamed of. So sometimes it's just really small steps in the beginning and a mess. Uh, but then, you know, little by little, it starts to work. Like the yoga starts to work. You show up, it'll work, you know? Yeah. So. You know, I've never heard a teacher say, let it be messy for a little bit, but that is incredible advice because I, I don't know why we all think we have to be perfectionist on the mat, especially if you're new to something like that, you feel like you need to nail it quickly or yeah, that, that, that's a lot of unnecessary pressure. So I really love that you said that. Um, that's <laughs> there's just too much perfectionism with when it comes to women. Like we feel like we have to be perfect in everything. And mm -hmm. I think it's nice to be a little messy. I'm a little messy. Like I'm not, everything is going to go perfectly for me in my practice or even sometimes as a teacher. And therefore you go, but I'm a human being, you know, it's not about it being absolutely perfect all the time. It's about real human beings connecting with each other through yoga practice and evolving together as a group, you know, being around like-minded people that have similar goals than you is empowering. So. That is empowering. Yeah. Why is midlife a good time to start a more advanced yoga practice? Okay. So I think midlife is ideal to begin it because usually if you're interested in doing arm balances or inversions or taking your backbending practice a little deeper or just curious about where you could take your yoga practice you usually don't have the time when your kids are little you know mm -hmm. uh, you just usually are at the whim of you know their their schedule uh and your work schedule and how do you make it all work and i'm not saying it's impossible but i do think that women in midlife are starting to see their kids be a little bit more independent. They're going into middle school, they're going to high school, they're graduating from college. And so they are starting to see, oh, I do have the space to explore something that I've always been curious about, you know, and whether, and, and kind of reclaim my time for myself. So I always think that, I think that's why it, it seems to be happening in midlife with my students. That's, where I see it. Yeah. It's because they have the time and the space to devote to themselves at this point. Oh, that's cool. So I have a question of, can your yoga practice get better or worse as you age, but you are, you already answered it, right? You you've given examples of your students, like being able to do things they couldn't do when they were younger, like arm balances, or just the fact that you mentioned a client had ab muscles for the first time in her fifties. Um, would you care to speak more on that? Yeah. Um, so uh, say the question again. Yeah, yeah, I will. <laughs> just it's just so the, the first part of it. Okay. So, Basically, can your yoga practice get better or worse as you age? Okay. So I, cause I had the thought and then, and then it went away. Now it's back. Okay. So <laughs> yes, this is what, to expand on this, your yoga practice is going to evolve and change. You can either concentrate on how it's improving and what you're now able to do, or you can concentrate on the things 
or the postures that maybe were very simple for you when you were younger that maybe are taking a back step. And I can say that personally for me. I used to be able, when I was younger, uh, when I was in my early 30s, I could drop back into Kapatasana or full camel on a dime. Didn't have to be warm, didn't have to do anything. If you asked me to do it, boom, back bend, Kapatasana, grab my heels, boom, I'm in it. I can't do that anymore, but that's not because I'm aging. It's because my practice has changed. So now for me to go back into Kapatasana and grab my heels, it's gonna be a little different because I have ab muscles. My deltoids are way more developed because I do arm balances, because I do inversions. And so there's a little bit more muscle bulk in the way for me to go all the way back. Also, my technique has improved and therefore I don't wanna do it the way my early, the girl in the early thirties did, right? Because now I'm way more knowledgeable through my teaching, through my, you know, multiple teacher trainings, through my constant quest to find everything I need to know about right alignment. Uh, and so that has also shifted and changed. But is it because I'm older? No, it's not because I'm older. It's because my yoga practice has changed and evolved. And therefore, when I hear someone say, well, you all know your yoga practice is just going to fall to the wayside as you get older, I always think you're thinking about it wrong. You're thinking about it in the wrong way. Mm -hmm. I can do way more cooler, like way cooler things than Kapatasana now, mm -hmm. you know? So yeah. it's like, I could sit there and focus on what I used to have in my practice, or I could just celebrate what is. And so I think it's more of a mindset shift for people. It, it's a mindset thing. Well, it's an evolving, like you're, you're, it's not stagnant because as we, as we go through life and we gain wisdom and life experience and our body changes, that doesn't mean it changes in a negative way. It just changes. Yeah. It's an evolution. Yes. Is what you're saying. Yeah. It's like being, it's being on the path, right? So mm -hmm. you don't, and it's the same way I kind of feel about aging is I, I don't really want to constantly try and be that younger person. I want to be who I am today mm -hmm. all the wisdom and knowledge and lessons that I've learned along the path, you know, that's, so it's, yeah, it's the same thing. It's just oh. yoga and life. It's the same, you know? Yeah. How does yoga keep the brain young and help assist in doing the things we love to do for longer? Okay. So yoga, oh, I love this question, Ashley. Okay. <laughs> so yoga keeps you young because uh, learning new postures in yoga, instead of saying um, with the same postures or same set sequence, I'd rather be on the path of adventure because what happens is, and I'm going to use the word term malleable, but there's, mm. Mm, your brain becomes more malleable. It's able to process new information. Now, for me, the way I think about getting old is when you stop learning, you know, you've stopped learning. And so when you're taking on advanced asana, not only is your brain trying to figure out the puzzle of the posture, but your body is involved. So it becomes a kinetic experience. Yeah. Therefore you're keeping yourself useful in your brain as well. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's amazing to me to see students and I've been teaching advanced asana since 2016 now. 
consistently. Um, and then this program has developed into what it developed into now where it's all that I teach. <laughs> uh, but I, I have seen students like not grasp a concept and it's not because they don't get it cognitively. It's because they need that time for the brain to process what the ask is in the body and for the mm -hmm. body to understand the command. And that is what yoga is. It's connecting the brain, the body, and the spirits, right? So it's really interesting to watch it happen and to think of it in terms of brain science, you know, and what actually is happening. The brain is becoming more malleable, meaning it's creating new neural pathways. So as you're learning that posture, and maybe it's not clicking yet, it's because the neural pathway hasn't been carved out yet. But then once you're able to, achieve it, that neural pathway has been carved out. You've learned something new. The brain is younger. Mm, so I get I really love that. With that. <laughs> that gave me, that gave me tricep chills when you said, um, when you stop learning, you're, you get older. Yeah. You, yeah. Like that just gave me chills. Cause it's like, you're so right. And yeah. it's like, it's not about your body growing older. It's about your brain. brain. Your brain has to stay valuable. You don't want to become hardwired, you know? And so that's why I think it's, it's really important to have, um, part of your practice be a little like I, part of my program. I have a class that's traditional Hatha yoga. It's kind of, you can kind of know where I'm going with that one. Uh -huh. There's not a lot of surprises in that one and mix things up very, very little, you know, that's uh -huh. kind of like a home base. The other classes I teach power hot the floor are super creative. My students have no idea where I'm going most of the time, even if they do, or if I think they're starting to catch on, then I'll, I'll do something else because I want to keep it fresh. Uh, and I want, I want them to keep the brain, uh, learning in that way as they're on processing the sequence and the work in front of them. Yeah. Keep them on their toes. So they don't Absolutely. know what's happening next. <laughs> <Absolutely>. <laughs> Hey friends! I just discovered my new favorite yoga accessory, Yoga Knees. This product really saved my knees. Yoga Knees helps solve the problem of those times in class when we kneel on hard surfaces like your yoga mat. Now your knees can also be pain-free with Yoga Knees. They are super comfortable and made with durable material. Yoga Knees is a high-quality, built-to-last product. They are a woman-owned business manufactured by women and made in the USA. When you buy a pair of yoga knees, $1 of the proceeds goes towards St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital. Yoga Knees is giving you all 10% off your first order. Go to yoganees.com, that's spelled Y-O-G-A-K-N-E-E-S.com, and use promo code YOGAAND at checkout. The link is in the show notes. 30-day money-back guarantee. Remember to use promo code Y-O-G-A-A-N-D to get 10% off. And we're back. What advice do you give to someone who's inversion shy? Oh, okay. Well, first of all, I was inversion shy. Oh my goodness. So I'm 5'9". And, you know, it's not like I was a gymnast as a kid. Like I was, 
I remember in middle school, there were mirrors at the end of each hallway and you'd move from passing period. And like my head would bob above everybody else's head, you know, like I was a tall girl. Uh, I'm 5'10". So I, I know, I know your pain, like when you're like young and you're taller than the teacher. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, (laughs) oh, yay. Another tall girl. I'm so glad. All right. So (laughs) Um, are you shy of inversions or I am actually. And today I, I, I told you earlier before we got on this call that, um, I took an Ashtanga class. I don't know anything about Ashtanga and I was very inversion shy when it came to the headstand. Okay. So, uh, I with you, because the thing is, is when you're taller, that fall, if you have a fall is going to be a bigger crash than someone that is well shorter. i'd fall on someone the where where i was in the room and i'm like i don't want to fall on my uh fellow student <laughs> let's not <laughs> let's not do that right so um with the inversion shy thing uh you know when i was teaching at a studio i wouldn't allow my students to do their first headstand or work on headstands on a wall because I was on a wall for way too long because I was scared of it. I was scared of it. So instead I would spot them now that I teach online at home. Yeah. People go to the wall, but build it. So your Mm -hmm. first inversion is probably going to be headstand. So you walk in to yourself with your head on the floor and your hands interlaced. You walk in, you bring your knee to your chest. You bring your knee to your chest. Do not bring your leg up and over your head. Mm. You will flip over. Mm -hmm. So if you're working one knee into the chest and then get the other knee into the chest, and then you get both knees into the chest and you have a half headstand, well, that's a really great foundation for every other inversion you're going to learn. So you start there. It's very basic. The worst thing that would happen to you is you're going to somersault and you're already in a tuck position. It's not as threatening than uh, kicking up to a wall. I see. um, Or feeling like you're flinging your body up. But there is a very precise technique to inversions. And right now, it's been really interesting. Right now, I'm doing uh, like a three workshop series on inversions Mm. with my students and for some, uh, and also uh, teachers. And I, it's been really interesting to see some of the people that I had not worked with before, how they, they're going into the inversions and cleaning up that thought of like, kick over your head. I was like, oh, that's oh, like the most frightening thing that's, ever. That's yeah. terrifying. Yeah. It's terrifying. <laughs> because you do, if you, if you're not, if you have not done inversions before, it's so intimidating. And instead I recommend that you just start with a supported headstand. I'm pretty sure if you go to my YouTube channel, then, which is easily found from the website or from anything, I do have that like breakdown of headstand, like how to get into it little by little. And if you can do that, then all of a sudden you can extend one leg up and it's like, Oh, okay. And one knee's still into the chest. So really nothing is going to hurt you. It's about realizing where the fear is. And I believe this with any, uh, yoga posture, realize where the fear is and what blocks are stopping you and then deciding if it's a real fear or not. Mm. If it's a real fear, great. But if it's something you made up, or you just aren't feeling safe, then you need to talk to your instructor and figure out how can I safely or feel a little bit more safety or feel more supported as I move into this next thing. Mm-hmm. But I get it. I get the inversion shy. Mm-mm. Yeah. I never, 
I never thought I'd be teaching inversions. Let me tell you, that's one of the biggest surprises that I have <laughs> for myself. I was like, oh, I yeah. teach this. Well, okay. it sounds like you're really highly skilled at breaking down these more advanced moves. And, and it sounds also like consistency, like, like you said, let it be messy for a little bit, yeah. but then- I mean, I gather the consistency is where it's at, is how you build, right? It is. Like yeah. if you, okay, so if you've never done inversions and you make the choice, like I would like to add inversions to my yoga practice and I highly recommend it mm -hmm. because that that has been the one thing that, man, once you start working through that stuff, it's you feel so powerful and you walk a little differently. Like every time I've done a heavy inversion, uh, class or an inversion work with myself, I always like stand so much taller the next day, uh, you know, it's like yeah. you're, cause you've been inverted for a while. So your spine is lengthened up, but you also feel your core in a different way. And so you're moving through your life a little bit differently and usually with a pretty confident gait, but with inversions, it's, it, it's really such an empowering practice. So start, you know, make the choice, but do it in a way that you do feel supported and that you do, you don't feel like there's an expectation in the space that you're trying to do it, mm -hmm. to do something crazy, work where you are, and then make sure that you do it more than once a week or once a month. Like you're never going to get into headstand if you only try to do it once a month. I mean, that goes for any advanced asana. Like if you're, if you are only able, like your studio only has an intermediate or an advanced class once a month, things aren't going to change very quickly, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's about consistency and showing up for a class that challenges you more than once a week. Yes, I completely agree with that. So you teach primarily online yoga. So my question is, why is taking online yoga awesome? And how does it compare to an in-person practice? Sure. You teach online too, Ashley, don't you? Or yeah. Okay. I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Don't you? I just, I'm biased. <laughs> yeah, I am biased. So restate the question again. Yeah. Um, yeah. Why? Well, the first question is why is taking online yoga awesome? And how does it compare to in-person? Okay. Um, so I, the reason I love online yoga, especially when it comes to teaching more advanced work, it's because it kind of takes the pressure off of that feeling of having to compete with everybody in the room. Mm -hmm. So if you are someone that's starting from ground zero in my classes and you're just learning how to put your hands on the floor, or you're just learning your first inversion, you don't feel intimidated by it. I, you know, I feel like you're in your own space and I still have my eyes on you and we're still able to connect and you're still able to get coached, but there's way less pressure to do something that maybe you're not ready to do. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What I also love is like, I teach, uh, with everybody's mic is on and everyone's camera is on and, the reason I do that instead of having it silent is mm -hmm. because I need to hear you breathe. Mm. So I try and mimic as much as I can to what it would be in an in-person. Now, some people, yes, it, are muted. Like say the dog starts barking crazy. They're going to mute themselves uh, or something really crazy is going on in the space. Then it, that person gets muted or does mute themselves. 
but I think it's, I think it's a really empowering thing to do it with the mic sound so that I can hear you so that you can be in the middle of a, a, a posture and say, Hey, I don't understand. Can you demo it again? Or what hand grabs what, you know, or stuff like that instead of a hand to run up to the chat box and destroy your, you know, like destroy yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. And so, and then also, you know, sometimes I'll be teaching something that you know, I'm making air quotes that my students think are crazy. It's crazy. Right. So I'm demoing something that's crazy. And the most fun thing ever is when they're all like in the boxes and they're all staring at the demo. And then one person laughs and they hear the other person laugh. And they're like, Oh, thank God you're laughing. You know, like, Let's all laugh. And then they go back to their mat and they work where they should be working. Most of the times they, they surprise themselves and are able to do uh, what I gave them. But it's uh it's creating that community and that connection. I just think it's amazing to do. We have people from all over, you know, the country show up to these classes. You know, during COVID, I did have some international folks show up every once in a while. That was fun too. Cool. Uh, and we're all able to be together because I think it's difficult, uh, at least in my area, to find these types of classes where you are working for that next step in your yoga practice. And so as much as I can, I try and create that in-person feeling. Mm -hmm. uh, now, it doesn't compare that much to in-person. I do teach in-person a couple of times a year. I have a retreat coming up in November in Sedona, which I'm super psyched about. Cool. Uh, so I do one retreat a year. And in those moments, that's where you're going to get a little bit more hands-on adjustment uh, stuff like that. But for the most part, um, like I believe in hands-on adjustment to a point, but I think there's plenty of other ways to adjust a student, which I can do online. Um, cool. But, you know, when I do come together for an in-person event, then it's, it's, a, we make it a party, right? So we get music going. There's a little bit more, like we try and make it an event and it happening, you know? Cool. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you make your online classes very fun and I totally get the community thing because at first before I, I like when I got into teaching online, I didn't realize like, oh yeah, they, people get used to each other, even though they've only met online yeah. and, um, it's really sweet to see a community grow, um, and they're in different states or different countries and they, you know, honestly like friendships form. It's, it's kind of amazing. Um, and, and I, I just was incredible. so unexpected. Yeah. It's so incredible. I mean, the bond that they have is from sharing the yoga together, even though they're living, you know, states apart, miles yeah. apart, you know, is it's so cool. And one of my favorite things is to like go on social media and see a couple of them got together for lunch or something, you know, it's like, Oh, that's so cool. That's so you know? cool. Yeah, yeah. Like you created the platform for that, like for them to yeah. meet and yeah, it's really cool. Well, what I always say is I might not be your yoga teacher forever, but I hope that the people that you meet in the thing, in the programs and the classes that I create that you have, find lifelong friendships, you know, and about, you know, I'm hoping that you have the people for forever, you know, yeah. uh, if you, you grow beyond the classes that I teach, you're looking for something else in your life. I completely get that. But I hope that the friendships and the connections that were established during this time live on. I love that. And I feel like, I feel like our culture doesn't really value friendships as much as like romantic relationships. And 
maybe there's something linked to like midlife and friendships. Maybe, you know, maybe there's something really important there that um, needs to friendships really matter. I don't know. Thoughts on friendships in midlife? Absolutely. Absolutely. So friendships, um, I think a lot of the times when you hit midlife, uh, if you had kids, a lot of your friends are parents of kids that grew up with your kids. So and that's not a bad thing, but it's difficult. I think sometimes to find uh, like-minded people, goal-oriented people is usually who show up for my classes that kind of have similar, you know, outlook on life. I think it's, it, I think it's, great to be able to find friends that are maybe are a little outside of your bubble or you wouldn't have met yeah. this person before or you know you're in your 40s but you became really close with someone that's in their 60s through this program uh I think that that's really important just as women you know mm-hmm. as you're older you've lived every age I remember what it's like to be 20 I remember what it's like to be 30 so you can relate to those people uh-huh. uh and so I think it's really important to uh, just honor women in that way. I think that's, that's a great answer. I really like that. (laughs) What advice do you give folks who are considering online yoga, but they've never done it before. So they're on the fence about online yoga. Okay. So I have, I have this all laid out for you. Okay. Online yoga uh, is, is what you make it right. So there is a little bit of a discipline that has to show up with online yoga, your home. So your couch is really close. You know, you can choose to sit on the couch or you can choose to click into class. Uh, what I have seen over the last couple of years is it's best to set yourself up with a space. Now your space can really change. Like I'm sitting in my yoga space right now and this was my yoga room before quarantine and before online yoga, but it has evolved quite a bit in the last two and a half years. <laughs> There's just a lot of other things in here and tools that have, you know, that I found were really helpful to teach online yoga. But I've also seen my student spaces change. So some of them practice on the side of their bed. Some of them practice, they have a whole room. Some of them practice in the basement. Some have, you know, so like they practice in their family room, wherever, and it changes and it evolves. And so be okay with the first couple of weeks that you do online yoga, that you might be giving everybody a home tour. (laughs) (laughs) Like they start in one spot and then they're like, that wasn't what I wanted. And they move to another. Um, And other simple tips is uh, have a, a port for your device. So if you're on an iPad or you have a laptop, have a port for your device so that if you're not leaning in something, it's not going to fall apart. It's not, you know, it's not going to fall off a ledge or anything like that. Or if you need to move it with you to get a different camera angle for yourself, that it's a two second thing instead of this thing that disrupts your practice. And I always recommend this hook your device up to a bigger screen if possible. It's just one cable, an HDMI cable, and you'll feel like you're directly in the room with everybody when you do that. It's so much different than when you're just sticking to the small screen. If you do those three things, you'll you'll find success. Those are some really good practical tips. Yeah. I hadn't <laughs> thought about all that. Thank you for oh my sharing that. Yeah. <laughs> Where can we find you online and out in the world? 
Uh, you can find me anywhere where it's meetmeonyourmat.yoga. So my website is meetmeonyourmat.yoga. My handle on Instagram, Facebook. Uh, I even think TikTok, though I'm not on there as often. Uh, I'm just kind of dipping my toe into that space. I'm not really sure of it. <laughs> but yeah, out there, meetmeonyourmat.yoga. Um, and I do have a free um fundamentals of arm balancing workshop that's out there total freebie in 15 minutes I tell you exactly what you what the pros know about arm balancing that will help you get flight uh and yeah so it's like just four steps and if you get those four steps if you just bring them to your brain if you just absorb them (laughs) then even if you don't take flight after that 15 minute workshop you will be so much closer to taking flight in your first arm balance. So that's free on the website. You can go, it's all over the website. You'll see it. <laughs> cool. And then you mentioned your retreat. Tell us more about your upcoming retreat. Yes. So uh, last year was my first retreat and it sold out in eight days. I was floored. I had always been a little shy about doing a retreat. And then I was like, oh, maybe I should have been doing this <laughs> for a while. <laughs> uh, so we had so much fun. We went to West Virginia last year. Cool. Uh, and then when we got going to this year, uh, I kept thinking about Sedona, Arizona, because it's a place that I love and I have visited many times and I was like that would be really fun to share uh share with people because I so love it and I found this great space where I was able to uh, come over take over this floor of this boutique hotel and opens up to a shared terrace so we won't be practicing like in a hotel ballroom or in some enclosed space. It's a donut. You want to be outside. So we're going to be outside on the shared terrace, practicing our yoga. We've got some good hikes planned and a pink Jeep tour. It's going to be so fun. I can't wait. So that's in November. And then I will be announcing the 2023 retreat soon. Soon. It's it, like, I always like to get through one yeah. like get through it and then plan the other one. The last year, it was so hard to plan the Sedona retreat uh, that I know I need to start a little earlier this year. So I'm already <laughs> starting to think about it. <laughs> That's so cool. That's so exciting. I've never been to Sedona, but I just already know I would love it. Um, oh, beautiful, so very beautiful magical. There. It is magical. It's a very magical spot. So I'm really excited. There's some people in the crowd that have been with me, like been to Sedona before. And then there's some people where it's their first time and they didn't realize that it was even on their bucket list. But when they looked into it, they were excited to uh, put it on their bucket list. So we're at, yeah, it's going to be a fun time and a big adventure. So cool. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming on the show, Tori. It was such a joy to have you. Oh my gosh, Ashley, so fun to talk to you. Thank you, thank you for having me. Yes, and all of Tori's info is in the show notes, so you're just one click away from connecting to her. Thanks again, Tori. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed today's episode all about yoga and midlife with the knowledgeable Tori Hicks-Volkowski. Be sure to connect with Tori. All of her info is linked in the show notes, so you are just one click away from connecting with her, and I highly recommend that you do that. I have a favor to ask. 
Can you text this episode to just one friend who you know will love yoga and podcast? We thank you in advance for the favor. Word of mouth helps support the show in reaching a greater audience and we could not grow without you. If you would like to say hi, you can drop us a line. Our email is yogaandpodcast at gmail.com. The and is spelled out Y-O-G-A-A-N-D podcast at gmail. You can also follow us on Instagram at yoga and podcast, and we will follow you right back. The theme song is performed by Ali Holder. Graphics, guest booking, and media by Bentley and Chloe Productions. Thank you for listening.